welcome today to the Leader Growth Podcast. I'm David Skidmore. You know, a lot of leaders are feeling overwhelmed, confused, and burnt out with all of the different challenges that they have to face today, which is why we created Modern Leadership, which is an eight-month leadership track to help you develop as a leader. You can find out more about that at leadergrowth.com. Us. Today, I'm really excited because we're going to be talking about how, as a leader, how you can utilize media, how you can engage with media in ways that are going to be able to connect with your audience, build that, and ultimately overcome some of the challenges that you're probably facing currently and experience transformation within your organization, within your own life, through how you're using media in that way. And I could think of no one better for this conversation than my good friend, Kit... Really good friend, kid. Yeah, can can I just go go from yeah, there? Go for okay, it, yeah. cool. Then my really good friend, Chris Murray. Chris, thanks for joining today. I don't think it should be edited at all. I think we should just go with that. You, right you just there. want to roll with that? Yeah, let's okay, just go with that's that. That's fantastic, man. Yeah. If people understood how much editing goes into little moments, they would just be astounded as far as a podcast goes. Do you really go down like really granular and just get every little, make sure it's perfect every time? I don't get every little thing, but yeah. you know, th- there are some different softwares that sometimes like we've cut out a minute of conversation time just by taking out ums. Okay. And it can roll through all of those pretty quickly. If you're doing a hybrid podcast, which is, you know, audio and video, it's a little bit more difficult to, to hide any of that. So, yeah. 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 No, I was going to say, I felt like you did a really good job with the intro. Thank uh, you. Sound like you've done that a few times. Thank you. So. Yeah. After you've lived in it for a while, like it just starts getting really comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Like in your sleep, you're just giving yourself openings <laughs> to podcasts and... <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So let's jump in, man. I know that you have been around media for quite a while, looked at a lot of different versions of connecting with audiences with it. But why don't you just go ahead and share with us like a little bit of your background? Yeah. 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 Right out of college, I let one of my friends, Drake, convince me that it was a good idea to start a marketing company. I had a degree in electronic media. He had a degree in finances and he was like, we need to start a company together. And it was kind of the natural fit. It was uh, it was right when social media was becoming really popular. You know, Facebook had just mm-hmm. kind of come on the scene and released their business profiles. And it was right around the time also when, when companies were realizing the importance of just an online presence in general. A lot of yeah. companies didn't even have a website. Uh, and especially they didn't have a mobile version of a website. I've always approached things of like, I want to be a little bit ahead of where things are going. So at the time, it was like, hey, let's start a, at the time, an innovative media company that that makes mobile websites, mobile-friendly websites, make res- makes responsive websites. Wow, and then mobile-friendly. Yeah, <laughs> social media. Yeah, it's funny because now like 80% of web traffic is mobile. But at the time, most people were still using mm-hmm. Flash and a mobile version of their website wasn't even something that they considered. So, yeah. Yeah. So that that's the very foundation. And then just as time has gone on, you've worked from different levels of, of film all the way through. So kind of painting a picture. Now we're going to be talking a little bit about short form media today yep. and some of the some of the modernization of media that people might be missing out on. But for you, what's been your path to get to this point and even be looking at media through this new lens? Yeah, I think I think you always got to follow the consumer and the customer and yeah, like you said, I've been a part of at least trying to stay on a little bit ahead of, of where things are going. So, you know, main company I started was a digital media company and had a lot of different iterations, did I think three or four acquisitions. I've sold at certain points and bought at certain points and merged mm-hmm. at certain points. And so 
really interesting last 10 years or so, but always tried to pay attention to where things were going, not where things were. I think as agencies get bigger and bigger, like to fall into processes and systems and it's harder and harder to become more innovative and stay above where everyone else is going. So it's oftentimes you'll, you know, look at the young kids, the kids in high school, kids in college, what are, how are they creating and how are they reaching audiences? Usually they're paying attention to kind of what's on the forefront and and short form media is really taking over. And it's funny because for so many years, what I was building was a full service, quite large video production company, which was a big arm of what we did. And that requires, in some cases, $30,000 lenses or a $60,000 camera body, very expensive equipment, a lot of production that goes into it. And now where I'm seeing a lot of the industry going, and for sure, the whole industry is not going this direction, but there's a big segment going this direction is short-form video, short-form media, and it creates a, an interesting funnel for the consumer. And also, a, a, I don't know, I would say like a new medium for people to consume that allows you to get a little more depth. It's less lifestyle and less social connections and more topic-based connections. Which is interesting as well, not just from the side of looking at how an individual can make more of an impact, but also if you were a college student starting a marketing company on day one, you might, as you said, you might not start with um, the $60,000 lens. Yeah, yeah. You might start with a vision that's a lot more simple because short-form media is something that you can create a lot more quickly. Yeah, and I think it's because people are consuming more video content than mm -hmm. ever. Back when I started a three-minute, if you had a three-minute company video that succinctly told what you did and how you served your target market or whatever, that could last you five years. You didn't need yeah. to update that. You didn't need to change it. You didn't need some new video. It was just like, well, here's our video. Just right. watch the video and you can know everything you need to know about us. And now you've got platforms like TikTok and Instagram Reels that in some cases they're wanting you to post one, two, three more times a day. And some people struggle with just posting a Facebook post once a week. And that's just a photo. And so now... You've got to add video with editing and lighting and sound. And it's like it adds all these new level levels of complexity that traditionally with production, it makes it not practical. It's like, well, you're not going to do this whole pre-production, production, post-production post process when you're creating that much content because it's just not economical. So uh, let's say that a leader is looking at different forms of media that they could engage in an audience with so that they could stay more connected, even keep their business relevant in the process. Like what, what would be even a, a way that they could start thinking about, I want to connect with people better and I want to have a better relationship across the board um, with the people that, that my company serves. Sure. I think everything or a lot of this type of content is all story-based. I mean, the reason mm -hmm. why you choose the electrician that you are going to go with to yeah. have whatever service you need done is you know, you've heard from a friend a story about why that person is either trustworthy or they're cost effective or they're timely. There's different things that different people look for, but there's some kind of story that you're looking for a connection. And I think that typical social media interactions, you know, the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, where you're just putting a photo out there or you're sharing an article or you're, you're doing some kind of text, it's hard to connect and tell those stories in a meaningful way. And so you've seen a lot of lifestyle content, the lifestyle photography mixed with a funny little pun yeah. or something like that, or an inspirational quote. I think it's hard for a lot of products and services to engage with their customer that way. So to, to answer your question, I think that 
the answer is stories in depth. I think that getting short form content out there and thinking about like, hey, what do I need to say succinctly? I'm not super worried with the production and all that stuff. Like it needs to be at a certain level and a certain quality, but it doesn't have to be perfect. If you look at a lot of the viral content you see out there on Instagram Reels or TikTok, I think you've probably seen this. Your highest produced content isn't always the one that like really does the best. Yeah, it's often sometimes a quote, something that's very simple, something that's clear, but something that people can quickly use and find helpful just in in that day. And so I think personally, like that's been one of the shifts I had to make was moving away from just what does my organization offer to what's a truth, what's something helpful, what's something that somebody could take on any day and apply this thing. And so sometimes like the other day, I turned a tweet into a reel. Yeah. And I saw that you did two of them actually recently. One was longer and one was shorter. And I think it was the shorter one that did better. Yeah. It was interesting how that ended up playing out because I've done different types of video and some of my videos were 2,000, 5,000 views on on a reel, which is okay. But then a tweet gets (laughs) 37,000. And then another one gets 5,000. And and they were as simple as be kind to people. And I think like a lot of people- you turned a tweet into a reel, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And for a lot of people, they're looking for something that helps them, as you just said, move into a better story and also simplifies from a lot of the noise. Yeah, I think that the, I mean, we're talking about short form video today. I think that one cool thing that it allows us to do is it allows us to connect with people really quickly. Yeah. And so short form video, it allows us to get a little bit more out there than just a picture. It allows us to play with what the algorithm is telling us that they want. Like Instagram is about to change their whole entire user interface to look more like TikTok. TikTok just surpassed Netflix in daily average watch time. TikTok just became the largest search engine in the world over Google. More people are searching on TikTok for content than they're looking at in Google. And so how do we create content for the eyeballs? Where are people looking and how do we... So, I mean, you got creative. It sounds like you, you turned a tweet that you would, if you had just screenshotted that, it probably would have gotten a minimal amount of interaction. But because you turned it into a video, yeah. uploaded it as a real Instagram, you reached a lot of people. And a lot of people saw that, they connected with it, and that grows authenticity and depth with your audience. So it's pretty cool what we're, what we're able to do now. But, you know, again, yeah. it's the shifting tides. Like, we used to think that we have to, you know, spend two, three months mm-hmm. producing a two to three minute video, but now like content's needing to be produced at such a higher volume uh, because people are consuming at a much higher volume. I mean, if you're flipping through Instagram reels or TikTok, you could watch easily. You could watch hundreds of videos a day, Mm -hmm. realistically, because they're so short. So let's say that somebody's listening to this and they say, I hear what you're saying, but I think at the end of the day, we want to just stay true to the three-minute or the 10-minute video about our organization, do the, the longer story form. Or they might even say, you know, we, we don't really want to engage with a larger audience. Like, are there any stakes attached to not stepping into short-form media at this time? That's a pretty big question, but are there stakes involved in not stepping into it? I think it depends on what you want to do. I think that there's places for that that two, three-minute video. I think that they play well at, like if you're a nonprofit, yeah. have it on the homepage of your website, have it at your fundraising gala. Those three to four-minute videos uh, that you spend a lot of time on on production with, pre-production, post-production, the actual like production side, you're able to connect in a way and like really craft a story that 
invokes a lot of emotion usually. That's what some of the stuff that I did in the past. We did a lot of short form mm-hmm. documentary style videos that was meant to move people. Yeah. And I think that format is great for that. As far as like consequences if you don't get into short form video, I don't know. It just depends on how you're wanting to engage with your target market. I think gone are the days that your social media following count mattered as much. Mm -hmm. When I first got into this, like owning your audience was a huge deal. It was like, if you've got 10,000 followers on Instagram or 10,000 followers on Facebook, that was huge because every single one of those people was going to see every single one of your posts. Now you're lucky to get three to 5% of those people to see Mm -hmm. your content. And in some cases, they don't even, like with Reels, a lot of higher percentage of your outside audience is seeing your content because it's based on interests or shared, I guess, topics or shared interests yeah. around a subject matter that you're covering rather than your audience. So especially on TikTok, like your follower count doesn't matter as much at all. I've talked directly to some really high internal people at Facebook and to a large extent, your followers don't matter because their mm. ad platform is really generating who sees the content. And so yeah. it's Facebook and Instagram have reverted back to where traditional media was, where radio, TV, magazines, you would say, okay, I want to hit sports, people that like sports. So I'm going to run my TV ad during an NBA game, or yeah. I'm going to, I want to hit a product that's going to resonate with stay at home moms. So I want to run my ad during the soap operas or something like that. So you were hoping that your target audience was listening or watching during a certain set of time. And so you're, you're generally pooling a, an audience and throwing yeah. content at that. And that's what Facebook and Instagram their ad platform has become. It's like, I'm going to select men between the ages of 20 and 30 that are generally interested in this stuff in this geographic area. And I'm going to throw it out there and hopefully they connect with the content. And I think that what short form video is allowing us to do is organically reach people because mm-hmm. that's what the platforms are doing. You're not paying to reach people. You didn't pay to reach, you said 30,000 people in that right. one reel. The platform is trying to promote this type of content. So it's mm-hmm. reaching new people. So go back to your original question. What's at stake? If you're wanting to build and connect organically with people that care about your content, I think that you have to shift into some type of short form video. If you're fine paying to play and paying to get content in front of your audience mm-hmm. or just get the narrow reach that you've developed over the last few years, if that doesn't important to you, then you're not losing much. So it really depends on what your goals are. I'm thinking about maybe some leaders who would say, I hear what you're saying, Chris, but I'm not really interested in the Twitter, the TikTok stuff. They did business maybe for years without this. Let's look at at the flip side. You were talking about the benefit at Mm -hmm. at the end of engaging with an audience. If, If an organization presses into this, if a leader starts utilizing it, what are some of the things that short form media can start to do for them and for their business as well? I think for any leader, your time is one of your most valuable assets. If you can figure out a way to scale that time, I think that you're being wise with the resources that you have. And I think that if most people, I'll, I'll speak for myself, and I think most people can see themselves as an avatar of this, but I spent a lot of time, you know, when I was doing a lot of business development, I'm spending a lot of time in coffee shops having the same general conversation each month. Like 80% of what I would say, or maybe 70 to 80% of what I would say to each person I would meet with during a given month, I'm generally sharing the same information. It's like, hey, what's going on with my company? What's going on with my employees? What's going on with my clients? Hey, what is some new innovation that we've come Mm -hmm. up with? Some new exciting project we're working on? What's coming up? What have we learned? I'm really talking about those same things over and over, you know, organizational leadership. And it shifts month to month. So I could probably meet with the same 
50 people every single month. And really I'm sharing 80% of the same information with those same people. It's shifting each month, month Mm -hmm. to month, because new stuff happens every month. But generally I'm repeating myself quite often at different coffee shops around. And so if I could start to scale those conversations, I think you can get to a higher depth when you do meet with people in person. Because for instance, if I took 80% of that conversation and I put it out online Mm. uh, and I put it into an email newsletter, I put it out on social media, I put it somewhere, whoever I'm meeting with, they may not see all of it, but they may see some of it. And so they may already get a deeper understanding of what I've gone, what I've got going on. Instead of having to stay at a higher level, I can get into a a more meaningful depth with the conversations that I'm having. So I think that there's opportunity to be more efficient with your time and create better connection with people, which is most of what people are trying to do as leaders is is communicate well. I like what you said there about creating the better connection with people. Sometimes when a leader grows their organization along with that leader, what ends up happening is people don't have access to them, right? And so they become a little bit less human. Yep. And so have you seen cases where short-form media can actually help humanize uh, <laughs> a leader? I, I think so. I think especially with a bigger organization where you've got mid-level management, and I think usually you get to that size, depending on your industry, but I'll speak in generalizations, when you've got about 20 employees, usually at that point you've kind of segmented your organization off into departments to some degree and you have some kind of mid-level management. And ideally at that point, the top-level leaders, whether they're C-suite or otherwise, they're spending a lot of time on organizational leadership. They're spending a lot of time on character development. They're spending a lot of time on core values. They're spending Mm -hmm. a lot of time on core systems and processes. They're spending a lot of time on vision casting for the future. Hey, what are our short-term goals? What are our long-term goals? And a lot of time that times that trickles down throughout the organization, yeah. sometimes not in effective ways, and it doesn't share the true heart of the leaders. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, through this type of stuff, you can really share your heart and share yeah. a deeper why behind it. Because a lot of times you've got once a week or once a month, you've got an all-company meeting, you've mm-hmm. got to compact a bunch of information down into a short period of time because you've got to make sure that everybody can get back to what they yeah. need to do. You don't want to take up too much time. So a lot of times you compact, important information into easy-to-digest easy phrases or sentences. Sometimes you, you have to leave out the true depth and the meaning and purpose and the why behind it just for efficiency's sake. So I think that it allows you to communicate depth, true heart and compassion, but also repetition. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've recorded it and you've put it out there, people can access it multiple times and refer back to it. And when you, especially when you're trying to steer an organization in a new direction or an innovative direction where you're causing a yeah. lot of disruption, repetition is key. Because you can't just count on saying it once and they remember it. You got to say it constantly. You got to lead well, lead well by example, but lead well by you know constantly reaffirming those things. That's why a lot of organizations literally put their core values on the walls, have plaques, yeah. or they have posters, or they they have muralists come there and work it into the the decor of the office because they want that to be drilled down constantly because it's important. Well, one of the things that you talked about in the middle there was you talked about character development. So. Let's look at character development story in mm-hmm. short form media. So, for instance, do you know Matt Palmer? I know the name. I don't okay. know. Yeah. So, Matt is the, I think he's the director of employee experience at Heartland. Okay. Uh, so, on LinkedIn, almost every day, if not every other day, he's posting a picture with somebody on his team and then telling you a story about them. What I love about it is that it actually champions who that person is. It also, it solidifies who Matt is. Yep. So we're taking this one step beyond just a picture. We're talking about what if we took character development? 
what if we took story and we turned it into something that uh, could be driven into our organization, but also could be shared with people that we want our values to touch them at some level? Yeah. Can you see an organization starting to take those elements and then actually build a sequence post in an entire ecosystem almost on online built around that? Yeah, I think it's super fun. In my previous organization, we used the traction system, which helped us come up with our core values and things like that. But the way that we communicated our core values was through stories. And it wasn't one of our original core values. And these shifted and changed as we moved through the organization. But one of them was compassion. So rather than just saying, David, you need to be compassionate towards your coworkers, what we would do is very regularly we would tell the stories at our all-company check-in of like, Hey, and we had a little like trophy made up and it was like the core value trophy. Essentially, we had a name for it, but basically we would pass it around to people that personified those different core values throughout the week. And then we would tell those stories. So it's like, man, David really showed compassion this week, either through a, to a coworker or to a client in this situation. Mm-hmm. We brought honor to that person. So yeah. we weren't just telling people how to act. We, uh, we did that you know, kind of in a roundabout way, it was like reinforcing a, a behavior that we wanted to see, but it was through story. It was through honoring someone else. So that hopefully that person got to yeah. go home to their significant other and said, hey, I was honored at work today. I got the little trophy and I, it was really cool to, to see that everyone in the company acknowledged the hard work that I do. Because a lot of times the things, the times that you're showing the best character is when no one's looking. And when yes. no one's paying attention and your leaders don't get to see that. Like, so you may be a frontline employee and that does the right thing, and maybe a coworker or something sees that, you're never going to get seen by the upper-level leadership unless those stories are told. Mm-hmm. So we, we encouraged a, an environment where those stories got pushed uh, all throughout the organization. We wanted to bring honor to people through stories. And I think recording yeah. that and like what you were saying that Matt does, that's great because yeah. it puts it out publicly, and it says a lot about him. It says a lot about the company. And if I was trying to decide who to, to work with, I think that that says a lot about who my payment processor would be. If if they're honoring their employees, it means that they're going to honor their clients as well. Yeah, I love that. Wow. So you just said something that I think a leader could take and start to max out with their organization and highlighting people. One thing to be highlighted in front of a few people on your team, and that does mean something. And for some people on your team to have your organization highlight you in a reel that suddenly... 30, 50, 100,000 people might look at. Yep. What does that say about how you view your people? Yep. That you're actually going to put them in the spotlight and champion them as those people who are truly carrying your values and they are the heartbeat of your organization. So yeah. I want to ask you this because I think for some people, when they start thinking short form media, they go, okay, Chris, like I see your point. It can help me connect with people. Uh, We can share our stories, all of those different things, our character values. I like that. But I don't really think of myself as a content creator. And also, I don't know how I can possibly post this kind of stuff consistently each day or each week. How do we think about that? That's why it's funny that's the way you phrase the question, because that's the, the dilemma that I started asking myself. It was like, as professionals how do you feed the machine? Yeah. You know, Instagram and TikTok and now YouTube shorts are saying that this is the type of content that I want, but you've got this whole new emerging creator economy that's coming where you've got content creators. I'm working with some right now that 
they've never really had a full-time job right out of high school or right out of college. They just, they had developed these audiences on yeah. social media and they are full-time content creators. That's all they do. So you've got this creator economy where they've got time to create content all day because that's what they do. And they're doing brand deals and partnerships and stuff like that. But how does a individual or an organization do that without sacrificing other important things? Because at the end of the day, I think the content is important, but if you're sacrificing time, important time with friends or family or church or whatever it is, like I think that it's a bad system. And yeah. so at the end of the day, a lot of the short form content is short little stories. And we tell those all day long. We do yeah. those in coffee meetings. Like I said, we, we connect with people over coffee or we connect with people to play video games like, hey, what's going on in your life? And we're very used to having that. Yeah. That conversation with people. So that was kind of the idea. It was like, and that's what we're working on right now is like, is what we're doing right here right now is like, what if we just connected with people, had conversations, updated people on what's going on in our life and then recorded it and we just videotaped it and we clipped it up and put it into the content machine. Would that be an easier way to do it than just planning stuff out? Because I think that everybody has that apprehensive nature. Mm -hmm. and I feel like you probably feel this because you script out a lot of your stuff. Yeah. And it's like, where do I get started? It's that writer's block. And then did I use the right inflection? Like yeah. you're overthinking everything. Is the lighting good? Is the right. audio good? And so that's kind of the idea is like, can we create a system that eliminates a lot of those barriers to entry and allows it to where people can just sit down and be comfortable and do what they do naturally. And just that, I guess you would call it documenting content creation instead of creating content. So creating mm -hmm. content, and I mean, there's probably other people that have coined certain phrases, but I'll use it this way. So creating content to me means you're planning something out, you're scheduling it, you're scripting yeah. it, documenting what's already going on, or documenting content is just what we're doing now. Like we're having a conversation and we're just documenting it. We're, you know, we've got cameras, we've got lights, we've got audio, we're recording it, and we can clip it up and put it into multiple different formats. You can put it into a, a podcast, you can put it into clips for Instagram Reels, we can throw it in the trash. If we don't yeah. like the way that we look or sound, exactly. uh, lots of different yeah. options there. So w one of the things that I love about this is that if you're a leader, this can help position you like this kind of a setting can help position you as a thought leader. You don't have to be a comprehensive thought leader on every subject, but just having a conversation, being able to share real stories, being able to share something for 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and just have a natural conversation, it changes one how people might perceive you because mm -hmm. sometimes leaders are misunderstood. A lot of you know what I'm saying when I say that. Uh, you don't get to share all of your heart. You don't get to share all of how you view life and different challenges. But also for people who might be looking at your content, it's much more relational, I think, to have a conversation with somebody than to have a video where you're just talking directly to it saying, hi, my name is so-and-so, and we offer X product. Yeah, That's great, but can you tell me about you? Because that's what I want to know now. Well, you set a high bar for all of us because people look at your ability and your gift to get in front of an audience and a group of people and just make it seem effortless. Like That's really intimidating. It's like, man, David's so good at that. I wish <laughs> I was good at that. But what I've seen over the last decade or so is that everybody's good at leading in a certain way and not mm. everybody is gifted or has the reps in. You probably weren't as good as you are now in front of a group or on a stage full of an audience doing like a Ted talk or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. You probably weren't good at that in the very beginning, but you've put a lot of reps in, you've practiced. And I think everybody has their area that they lead well in mm -hmm. and they have those conversations, but they're one-on-one. -on -one. 
And so they're not in front of a lot of people. They're getting their reps in. They're practicing. Yeah. And as they get better and they get more confident, you know, one day maybe they will be. I mean, I don't feel super comfortable in front of a large group of people, but maybe yeah. one day I'll be in, a, in front of a larger people and have a conversation. But like, like this format feels very natural and easy for me. So I think this it's about does just feel, yeah, getting the reps in, yeah. getting the practice in. I think that that's always good. You know, that's one of the greatest gifts that we have to share as, as well is one, we can get reps together, but it doesn't have to be complex. It can be sitting down, having a conversation. And if you do it frequently enough, eventually you don't notice this thing. You know, sometimes when people first sit down and notice, I, I got a microphone in front of me, I got lights, all, all yeah. of that. But as time goes on, we're just having a conversation. And today... As, I think it becomes easier. Yeah. Like, if you think of about it, at, like in a gym, you're going on a fitness journey right now. I've been yes. going on it for about a year or so. I, you look great. I was about 30 pounds heavier than I am now during COVID. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is not how I want to define the rest of my life. So I started getting in the gym, consistently working on it. And honestly, like at the beginning, you don't see a lot of good results and you don't want to advertise and document everything. But I did yeah. go ahead and take those pictures and document early on. And I was able to share about a year into it, a really a good, I felt like it was good yeah. before and after. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. I can start to see the results. And so I think that with, with the gym, the hardest thing is getting started and just getting yourself to the gym consistently. Yeah. I learned along the way a lot about what type of uh, nutrition I needed to be feeding myself, what type of exercise I needed to be doing. I've yes. modified and shifted all of that over time. Peter Thiel wrote a book called Zero to One, which means basically the gist of it is the hardest part is just getting started. Mm. And I think that with anything, with whether it's leadership or uh, short-form content, I think the most important thing is to just get started and then learn and modify things as you go. So like uh, I think that anybody trying this sort of thing, don't overthink it. Just get started. Uh, if you look at any of the top creators out there that are leader, they're leading the way. Look at yeah. Gary Vee. Look at mm -hmm. uh, Alex Ramosi, whoever you want to look like. You know, Alex Ramosi has risen up very quickly in a very short period of time. But if you go back and look at his first content, he's changed quite a bit. He's gotten quite a bit better in a very short period of time. And it's just reps. He's putting out a massive amount of content. Yeah. And so I don't think you need to overthink everything. And the cool thing is you can always edit it. You can always put it up or remove it later. There's there's flexibility there. You don't have to yeah. overthink anything. Just treat it like the gym. Get the reps in. Start developing it. Work on the muscle. You're going to start to see results. You're going to start, and even on the views, even on the connections. Like I'm sure with mm -hmm. you, you're getting more views than you did when you first started. But you were you stuck with it. You're like, well, I need to be doing this. I need to be yep. putting stuff out. I'm sure that there was probably a period where you're like, is anyone even seeing this stuff? And that is one of the most difficult things to fight through. Yeah, because as you said. As a leader, your most valuable resource is your time. So if you get in into that moment of, is anybody actually looking at this? You got to commit for at least a year, yep. I think. You have to give your, yourself at least a year. I think Gary Vee says three, but give yourself time yep. to build. Give yourself time to get reps. There was a time, it probably wasn't week two at the gym when you started feeling good about it. Yeah, But at some point, do you remember when? Man, I don't know. I would say it was a good six months in where I, yeah. because I kept, I used Craig Rochelle's model of like kind of making incremental changes instead of trying to do like a really big switch with everything. It was like, okay, this week I'm just going to get up one hour earlier than I normally get yeah. up. No gym, just one hour earlier. And then when I got that in, I was like, okay, I'm going to get to the gym once this week. That was yes. it. It didn't matter if it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It didn't matter if it was at 5 a.m. or 9 yeah. p.m. It was like, I'm going to get in the gym. So I built incrementally and it wasn't 
until like probably six months where I was like consistently getting to the gym at five-ish, 5.30 and getting in the workouts consistently every single day and sticking to my diet and all that stuff. So I think you just got to stick with it. I think that anything worthwhile is difficult and it requires perseverance. Anything of substance and value is going to be hard to some degree. I think everybody in this day and age wants the five-minute easy, five-minute abs, five-minute super healthy meal, like there's nothing that's super easy that's worthwhile. And yes. so is this hard? Is creating short-form content hard? No, not like from a technical standpoint. It might take some time. It might require some mental discipline and some, I don't know, courage or faith or whatever yeah. you want to say that you're not going to say something stupid. But it's just, it's, it is hard to break through some of the mental barriers. I would say probably mental, you, you could probably speak to this too. Like mental was probably harder than the mental barrier of like, this is a good and I need to stick with this rather mm-hmm. than was it hard to make the content? I don't know. What, what are yeah, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that mentally you have to fight through a couple barriers. One is for me, Mm-hmm. I need my content to be just right or perfect. You Get, do? That was how I started. Okay. Get over yourself. You're putting out lots of content. Yeah. Some of it's going to hit, some of it's not. Yeah. You're not perfect. You're not supposed to get all of it right. I think the second thing, though, is... I'm putting things out there consistently. What if it would like, what if I get it wrong? Like, what if this gets weird? What, whatever. And you can second guess a lot. It's not just about trying to be perfect, but it's also just the fear probably of yeah. the unknown. And, and I felt that a lot, like writing my first book and even here on, on the second one, I felt that because it's like, oh man, I'm putting something really significant like out finite. there. Finite. It's like, what if yes. three weeks later I decide like that, Point number three in chapter yeah. five, like I got that one wrong. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's it's like that, or like, oh, here's this story of something that for me I believe was kind of like a supernatural moment. It's like late in in the book, but I share like a vision I had in church about my grandpa, and I had that vision, which I didn't even believe really in visions, right? Yeah. And I had it one like one Wednesday night at church, and it was. At this same sequence of time when he was beginning to die. And for me, it was this moment where it's it's a really precious story. And to this day, like when I think about it, I actually get pretty emotional. So I like I can't live there too long. But it was so it was so personal. I thought, should I share it? But I felt like it was so powerful I couldn't not share it. And so I second guessed. I probably spent nine months. Do I add that story? Do I not add it? Now, is that in your first book or is that in the new one? That's in For Love With Joy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, what's the feedback that you've gotten from people that have read the unreleased version? Yeah. So I have let my editor read it. And okay, nobody else yet. Okay. On Unstuck, I went and I got like all of the endorsements and all of that stuff. And on this one, it's about grief. It's about mm-hmm. loss. I decided I'm not doing endorsements. We're going to let the book stand just simply as it is. And then with that, it was so personal that it got to a point that I was like, I don't think I can take more feedback on it. Hmm. Adam, my, my, my editor has written over 40 books. And so I trust him. And so while I had a few people look at a chapter or two, it was just us to the end. Yeah. What gave you the courage to go ahead and say, I'm going to put this out there, even if it's hard or even... Yeah. I shared that story with my family. And when I did, it touched all of them a lot. And I shared it with um, 
I remember the day after I had that vision, I showed up. I was at the bridge on Brookside or Br- bridge in Bricktown. Brookside's Tulsa, right? Bricktown's a o- OKC. So I'm meeting with, with West Lane there and mm-hmm. we're going to shoot some different content on that day. And I just stopped and I said, Wes, like this happened to me last night. And I told him that whole story and he started weeping with me. And it was like, it was so profound that I knew like anytime I shared that story with somebody, it touched them. And that's like something I think even though it can be scary to let people into that. And I think that the other side, frankly, there's some people who are going to go, I don't believe that. I think maybe you are hallucinating or maybe you just imagine something. And I think for me, a little bit of the fear of being judged came in like, but at the end of the day, that's my experience. And so I wanted to share it. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to read it now. I, I, uh, for those listening, the book is on pre-order. I don't know when this is going to come out, but having a launch party, <laughs> when's the launch party? Plug uh, yourself. Yeah, launch party's coming up. Book releases August 2, and you can you can go get it at forlovewithjoy.com. We got a lot of fun stuff there from merch and hoodies and everything else along with it. And one of the things I'm really excited about is we're running For Love With Joy dinner parties this fall. And for people who are sitting in grief, mm-hmm. they're often isolated. And so what we want to do with this, with this experience is bring people together and have dinners. And even if you don't want to talk about hard stuff, give people a place where they can have love and connect with others, experience joy, and and hopefully walk out feeling more connected and looking forward yeah. to life in the future. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about short-form video and short-form content, but at the core of it, we're talking about stories. So yeah. just out of curiosity, like what made you, to shift it back on you, what yeah. made you think, had the idea to have those dinner parties around that, those topics for the book? Yeah. Great question. After my mom died, I moved down to Oklahoma City and I started SALT. I didn't really know very many people. I was living with my buddy, Kent Brzee, and we were hosting dinner parties often. I think that's part of why I'm doing this today is because we built relationships. I was never even from the South, I was never an entrepreneur. I was always like doing church work or I was doing like different projects, just helping people out. I think that the community around me ended up shaping a lot of who I've become. And part of getting healthy in the process was actually sitting with other people at dinner parties. And so one of my favorite dinner parties included like Rosa and Norma (laughs) and Rosa's husband, John and Chloe. And it's just like one of those things where you have a few people in their 20s and 30s, and then you got a few people, a few generations beyond you. And connecting with people. That's what kept me going after after that loss and experiencing grief on the other side. I ask because it's interesting that you're doing that because I don't know if I've ever even shared this with you, but uh, like I, you know, recently gone through, or I'm going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. When you found that out, you were like, we were like talking on the phone or something like that, but you were like, hey, come over for dinner yeah. in a few days and whatever. And at our age, like we don't really do, I mean, I, I don't, my social circle doesn't do a lot of like dinner parties or whatever. Yeah. I, at your house, it's like, well, hey, we're going to go out and have dinner with friends or whatever. And at that point, at that stage of grief for me or whatever you want to call it, I was not really going out, not doing anything. And so I kind of become a little bit reclusive. And I was like, man, honestly, that sounds okay. I can go over to David's house and, and yeah. do that. And you were like, hey, come over early 
and we can just chat while I'm making things. And I remember thinking like, well, hopefully he doesn't need my help because I don't know how to cook. And, <laughs> yeah. and sure enough, you didn't need my help. You were very well equipped to do everything, but I just watched you do things mm-hmm. as I shared my story and you just listened. And I didn't, you know, we had dinner, other people came. And as the night became more like social and like you know, just transitioning to like you know, little games and stuff like that, like I didn't, I was at a point where it's hard for me to act like things like that were important, like just being goofy and silly. And mm-hmm. uh, so I went ahead and excused myself at that time. But the, just the fact that you invited me over, listened to my story, got to hang out with people in a uh, no pressure environment where we weren't talking about what was going on in my life because literally yeah. everybody was just like, what's going on? How are you doing? And it was mm-hmm. like, it always felt like so much pressure to talk about that. Yeah. That, like that dinner party was actually a really, even though like you might've thought like, well, Chris left abruptly. That was weird. No, but I, I did never it. really followed up with you and told you that, but uh, yeah, it was really, it was, I feel like it was a really important step in my healing mm-hmm. process for that. Yeah. One of the things that, that happened on that night, that group of people have never been back over. I've never invited that group <laughs> back. Well, that's why I was also like self-conscious, like, man, David's never invited <laughs> me back after that. No, I, I, <laughs> so I that was the, the goal of this today. It was like, Hey, can we have a conversation? So <laughs> maybe I can squeeze into one of those dinner parties in the future. Uh, <laughs> you know, I hadn't hosted a lot of dinner parties after that one. I loved that one. But I remember while you were there, you just, you actually gave me a look and you said, Hey man, I I think I'm going to take off. And I didn't tell you this, but I recognized that look. And that's one of the things I believe about grief is even if it's different kinds, like one grief befriends another. And so when you've experienced loss and when you've gone through that, like you, you can look at somebody else and say, I see you. And like, you don't have to explain that. Like, um, that's where you are currently, and I'm grateful that you were able to to come over, ha- have dinner, and uh, we're going to have to do that again. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll end up playing some games this next time. I, mean, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about leadership. I think that yeah. that was a form of leadership. It's almost like a servant leadership, like, hey, come over and, and let me listen yeah. and let me uh, serve you and make you a dinner. Because like, I definitely didn't contribute financially or uh, by work of yeah. hands in any shape or form to that. Yeah. I just kind of existed, but it's what I needed in that time and is really good. Okay. So a fascinating point on that. Apollo Woods, Black Eats OKC founder. Yep. Apollo and I are meeting one day and he says, have you ever noticed if you go over to a white person's house, they say to you, would you like something to drink? Okay. But if you go to a black person's house, they say, would you like something to eat? And that's I said, accurate. I've never in noticed my experience, that. But yeah. yeah, that's probably accurate. And he said... Next time somebody comes over, just say, would you like something to eat? And even if they don't eat, just bring food out and watch how the conversation changes. Hmm. And I started doing that just like when I'd have like a couple friends over. No big dinner party, but just like, we're just going to have like a little charcuterie board or something. (laughs) Changes the conversation completely. And that's one of the things that I think that we can do at this time for for a lot of people. And as leaders, it's important because sometimes we get so focused on the organization where things are going that we forget we're leading people. Host a dinner party. Yeah. And just put rolls out. <laughs> and even for all the keto people, they might have one. But like <laughs> it just connects people so that you can you can actually build an authentic relationship and love each other. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. That sounds great. It's a great way to build community. It's like the way that for generations community was built. And now we've got all these great external options for eating out and gathering and stuff like that, that it doesn't happen as much in the home. So I love that that you're bringing that back. It's going to be fun. 
Yeah. Well, I'm excited for it. And man, thank you as well just today for sitting down. We're sitting here in your studio space, and I appreciate you letting us do that. And thank you for sharing today. Thanks for even, you know, it's not every day that somebody starts asking me questions on the other (laughs) side of it. So a lot of fun as we talked about short form media, as we talked about story, as we talked about the things that we've walked through. And so I really appreciate that, Chris. Yeah, for sure, man. I like to ask questions. I'm an extrovert, so I can't help it. My brain just... Also, I think I have a little undiagnosed ADD. uh, (laughs) So I'm just like, I want to ask him that. So I'm going to just take the moment and we're just going to see how it goes. And so, yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's I can't control it. (laughs) It's a a beautiful thing, man. Thank you. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, that wraps up today's conversation with Chris Murray on how leaders should be using short form media. Hey, For all of you who have been joining us here on the Leader Growth Podcast, I want to thank you for rating this podcast, reviewing it, subscribing to it, and sharing it with a friend. If you haven't done those things, I would be so honored if you would today. If you want to learn more about modern leadership, you can do that at leadergrowth.us. I'm looking forward to being back here next week and seeing you then. Until then, love hard, live full, and lead strong. This is our declaration. We are locked in, all in and full out. We are the roar. You think you can run with us? Let's go. I got lion in my blood. You were just a cub. I roll with the king. I am guaranteed to dub. What it is, what it was. I am dope, showing love. From the dirt, get a glove. This flow is for the scrubs. You can't beat me. So go take a seat and do it discreetly. Trying, and I see you trying to sell me some fear, but.